0: We have been studying in the book of Romans and we've come to Romans chapter six verse twenty three and the text seemed as good as any for a Christmas Sunday service and so we will continue on in the in the book of Romans on Romans six twenty three. If you don't have a Bible here with you this morning, there should be one underneath your pews there that you can that you can use and feel free to keep. The text before us is one that is probably one of the most memorized Bible verses in history. There's verses like John 3.16 that everybody memorizes, but it won't be too far down the line, whether it be number two or number three, in which Romans 6.23 comes. And the reason why is because within this verse lies all of the gospel in its entirety, Let's read the text. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a statement. The wages of sin is death. Death is something in which most people prefer not to think of it all that much um, there 's major efforts all around the world at this particular time to eliminate death there There are those who who claim that immortality will be available within the next two to three decades and these are scientists who who say they believe that. It, it will be reached. There's those that that believe that this could happen through biological engineering or human cloning. They talk about these little nano robots that are able and designed to go through the bloodstream to destroy bacteria or cancer cells. That this technology is just around the corner, they say through cloning or other biological engineering. They hope to create replacement parts to replace damaged or dying parts. And so they, they look at something which obviously has incredible um, issues within medical ethics. But if they could create a clone and if they can clone replacement body parts... What they're saying is if, if one fails or one is damaged or one is growing old, that they could just simply replace it and that the technology for this is around the corner. There are also those who desire to kind of push the the, the pause button on life and and so... They, they have it where when they, when they die within within minutes, it's, it's where they desire to have themselves frozen. So that in the future, when they're able to revive them, that they would be able to do that. And they want to do it now because they believe that the technology may be a little bit too far away from them. But they want to eliminate death by making it so they just kind of push the pause button and, and it comes back later. Michael Jackson hoped to do this. But they waited too long and plastic didn't freeze all that well. So it was just, it's kind of bad, huh? It was funny, years ago when they had the the trial for him and they came out and said that he was supposedly innocent, one of my friends left his car in the church parking lot and went on a trip. And so Tasha and I rode all over his car like like he was like the biggest fan of Michael Jackson. Things like Jackson 5 forever. I love Michael. Jacko is not wacko. And he came back home and saw it. And everybody was saying like, I had no idea you're such a Michael Jackson fan. i so sorry if you're offended. But... There's also those who are trying to develop ways to upload a, a person's personality and all of their memories to a computer. And, and and this whole system of trying to do this to make it so that they could upload all of that and, and then download it later on to a newborn baby's mind and trying to make it so that you can just continue to live. For some of us, it may just require an 8-bit, you know... Apple 400 or something like that. But you look at that and, and, and there's efforts. There's efforts that are being made. How is it that we can eliminate death? Yeah, within this verse, we see that that the wages of sin is death. Wages is that which is earned. Here it's thought to be a military term referring to our rations. It's the rations that are paid to us for our sin, and that is death. For the sin death is earned, it's deserved, it's our just compensation. Our physical, our spiritual, our everlasting death have all been earned. It's been earned, is what this text is saying to us. You remember in Genesis chapter 2, where it tells us in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. And what takes place? Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. We see that they didn't die immediately. Physical death took place later on. But they did die spiritually. And unless God interceded, they would have died everlastingly. We see that at, at, at that time, sin entered the world. And at that time, death as well. The way that it was back then is, is as, as sin first came into the world, it has grown worse and worse all the way through. You look at in, in, the, in the Bible where people are living hundreds and hundreds of years in the time of, of, of Genesis, and you, and you read it and you see that, that sin had come in and people began to die, but some of them were able to live for hundreds of years. In Genesis 5.27 it says, So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lived 969 years and then he died. The biggest group that, that works in this area of, of trying to make regenerative organs a reality, those scientists who, who do this, they're part of a group that's referred to as, or that, that's, that calls themselves, the Methuselah Foundation. Their goal is to see, can we make it so that we can reproduce organs? Can we make it so somebody can live longer? Can we make it so that we create immortality? And their hope is, can we work it out in such a way that that we can make someone live even as long as Methuselah did? 969 years. And you look at that and you, you see it where sin has come in and people die... Sometimes people live for for a lot longer in countries like the United States than where they would in, in other countries that are more developing or third world. But everybody dies. Even if they were able to do replacement organs, there still would come a place where everybody would die. Just statistically, as they talk about these things, they're saying the only way that someone would die if we were able to reproduce these things is is from some kind of trauma that might take place. Something that would happen where we couldn't get to them fast enough. But they said statistically, at some point, everybody would probably still die. And yet we look at it, and no matter what science is able to do, we see that God says, no, the wages of sin is death. It's earned. It's earned. It's deserved. It's our just compensation. You see in Galatians six verse seven, where it says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap, of the flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And all of mankind has, has sowed to the flesh. Everybody in the history of the world, with the exception of Christ, has had a sinful nature and has died in their sin. Or they will at some point, short of the Lord's return. So we see that the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. It brings death. It always brings death. Not only future death, but immediate death and corruption and misery. And that's just how it is. With all that took place in Connecticut, my my first thought was, I hate sin. I just hate sin. You think of of someone doing what that young man did. And it's, it's just incredible wickedness. Small children... As soon as I watched it on the news, my thought was just I, I look forward so much to going to spend eternity with Christ in heaven where there is no more sin. In every area of our life, we see that sin brings incredible pain. Incredible pain comes from murder. Incredible pain think of Justin Alfred who taught our midweek study here for quite a while and he's a good friend and having his, his young daughter murdered by her ex-boyfriend wasn't sure if, if they could prove it beyond any shadow of a doubt reasonable doubt and so they settled for manslaughter and Justin just said he thought before, that lust was the greatest temptation. He said it, it, it has nothing. It, it, lust has nothing on revenge. Just revenge. He said it will consume a man as far as revenge is concerned. The pain that comes from murder. We see hearts broken and lives devastated through all different forms of sexual immorality. Incredible brokenness that takes place trust that's broken through lying and through deceit relationships destroyed through unforgiveness or bitterness we 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 cringe in the presence of, of pride or of boasting we we see the divisive fruit and needless pain that comes from gossip or or backbiting scripture condemns these things and some of you all of us probably have been Affected by someone just gossiping about us, we see people go into a tailspin because of their love for money, or or their covetousness, or envy, or their desire to steal what they don't have. Just this last, just this last week, we were getting Tasha a new phone because she lost her old one. Very irresponsible. Um. And a friend of mine was the manager of the store, and we, he, we were there with the kids. And he said, hey, you want to play with my, you know, an iPad, but made by somebody else. I don't know what you call it. But kids were playing, and he said, just go ahead and grab some dinner real quick and come right back. So we left it there on the table just a few feet away from him. And, and there's there only two people that were there, and one of the guys just walked off with it. And it it happened within like three minutes of the time that we left. And I just thought, it's an incredible sin. You know? And you look at it and you see that that God says don't do these things. We see the fruit that comes, the terrible fruit that comes from substance abuse or alcoholism or other addictions. There's a reason why God says don't do these things. Everything that we despise in the world, everything that causes pain and suffering and heartache, it's all sourced back in one way or another to sin. And God says that the wages of sin is death. It's earned. Death is the final separation from God for all eternity. It's total separation from the glory of God for all eternity. We, we look in the book of Revelation and it's talking about the very last Days at the very end of the book of Revelation in chapter 20. John's there and he says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are done in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so when you talk about death, the wages of sin is death. It doesn't mean that it's simply just painful here on earth or that at some point you will die physically. But it's this everlasting destruction, this everlasting death that comes, which is referred to in the book of Revelation as the second death. And and, and God says, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, into the second death for all eternity. And so when we read a passage like this, for the wages of sin is death, it's weighty on us. It's something that we look at and we think, yeah, it's earned. It's a wage. It's given. It's deserved. And it's death. It's, it's death now. It's death spiritually. It's death physically. And it's death everlastingly. And so the weight of this is, is just incredible to think about. But the transition here is just incredibly sweet for us to think about as well on this Christmas Sunday. It tells us here, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but there's a gift. And it is the gift of God. That is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God has nothing to do with wages. The gift of God is not earned. It is definitely a free gift. The Holy Spirit chose these words intently so that we could see the distinction. You look here, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift. One is a wage and the result is death, but the other is a free gift. And from that free gift comes eternal life. And it comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not earned through good deeds, it doesn't say the gift of righteousness. It doesn't say that we will do these things. It doesn't say that the wages of our righteousness or the wages of what we do good in this life brings everlasting life. It doesn't say that at all. It says the gift of God, the free gift of God. And, and the words are used to be in, in, in such a different way to cause us as the readers to look at this and say, what a radical distinction. One side, the wages of sin is death. On the other side, there is a free gift. And it comes to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the free gift that comes from God. It's free. We've been looking at this all through the book of Romans. And and, and all the way through, Paul is, is, is telling us over and over again, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that salvation comes and it is a gift. You hear him say in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God To salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's not a a gospel that is, here's all the things that you need to do. It is a gospel that says there is a free gift and it comes from God. I'm not ashamed of it because it's the gift of God that comes and it's his righteousness that's given to us, not our own. In Romans 3:21 it says but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed a gift that comes it's a righteousness that's not ours it's not our own it's not what we're able to do it's not how well we live it's not anything that we could ever do in any way shape or form to earn favor with him or merit such a salvation but it is a righteousness that comes from God being witnessed by the law and the prophets all that it says in the Old Testament, all that is pointing ahead to Christ to come, all that's there from the time of the very beginning with the fall of Adam, where he curses the serpent and and tells him that his, his head will be crushed. The seed of the woman's heel would be bruised, but the serpent's head would be crushed, and from the seed of the woman came came Christ all the way through the promises that were given to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. All the way through where you look at all of redemptive history and God's plan of salvation from the very beginning. And it's all pointing head to this gift that was to come. Even the whole sacrificial system. Shedding of blood for the remission of sins. Passover. The blood that's put on the doorpost. And where God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. From the very beginning where where Adam and Eve are there covering themselves with fig leaves. And, and, and God comes and, and he kills two animals. And he makes tunics for them and covers them with this clothing. But they had to have watched this and saw him kill these animals. And looked and, and, and had remembered the verse... That whoever eats of the fruit will surely die. And then looking at what took place with those animals, and why would God do that? It is because He's pointing ahead to Christ who was to come, the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. All of it is pointing ahead to Christ, the gift that we receive through Christ to come, and the salvation, which is unbelievable, where you look at it and you see the righteousness of God apart from the law. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God emphasized again through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe It comes by faith Paul says in Romans 3:27 where is their boasting then it's excluded by what law Of works, no, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. It all comes through him. It's all a gift. It's a free gift that comes by faith alone in Christ alone. It's a free gift. We read in Ephesians 2, 8, where it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so when you read here in Romans chapter 6 that the the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, it's totally consistent with all of the rest of Scripture where you look at it and and you see over and over again that it's by grace that we're saved, not ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's a gift that is given to you. It's not wages that are earned. It is a gift that's given It's not of work so that you would never be able to boast about it. We're told in John 1, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's a gift. Jonathan has been asking me over and over again, can you just give me a hint? As to what I'm getting for Christmas. Yesterday he came in and just laid in, in the bed, and first thing in the morning put his head on me and was being all sweet. And he said, "Daddy, could you just give me a hint?" <laughs> first thing he did this morning was he came in and he was just beaming. And he said, "When is it going to be Christmas morning?" just so excited as far as Christmas around the corner. I told him one hint, and that is, Mommy did not totally agree with what I got you. She looks at them as weapons of mass destruction. I look at it as, let's shoot bad guys. She's probably right but you look at it and you see that God tells us what the gift is like for us we get these pictures this, this, this taste of it all through scripture of what this gift that God is talking about is like the gift of God which is eternal life it's not eternal life meaning it's just that we get to live for eternity but it's the quality of the life in which we will live for eternity eternity Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he gave us his son, how much more will he freely give us all things? Nothing will be too much to be given to God's children in heaven. There will be no limit as to how far God will go to make you happy. Ephesians 1.3, he tells us that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We will behold the face of God and the brilliance of all of his glory, his light. There's these things that we, we read of in Scripture, and I know that we only get to see just a, a tidbit of it, but we, we know the sweetness of it. Christ shining in all of his glory and us being able to be there and just bask in it, to be able to see it. Great Puritan Jonathan Edwards says, says, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. And the enjoyment of him is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But The enjoyment of God is a substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. A way to say that. You think of our lives in Him and our eternity in Him and you could take the best things that this world has to offer. He refers to fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, children, or the company of earthly friends. And he says, it's just, it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Just a shadow. just a shadow. It's just looking ahead to the reality. It's just a drop in Comparison to the ocean. It's just a, a scattered beam when God is the Sun. And so we look at this and we get to enter into the joy of the Lord and spend time with Him. Our inheritance will be sweet fellowship with Him for all eternity. I love it. We're at the end of the book of Revelation and Revelation 21, where John says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he'll be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that have passed away. It's all removed. It's all gone. All sin, all death, and pain, and misery, sorrow, crying. It's all passed away. We will be with him, the sun, with him, the the one who is the fountain, with him, the one who who is the ocean, with him, the one who is all things so much greater than the drop in the ocean or so much greater than than that little scattered beam or so much greater than the little stream. We will spend eternity with him. We'll get to taste of his goodness forever. We'll get to be recipients of his everlasting and unconditional love. We will get to forever behold Him in all of His beauty. We will get to forever stand in all of His majesty. We will inherit God. We will know Him. We will be living in the presence of Him in all of His blessedness. We will be forever freed from all sin and from all death. Our gift will be so much greater than anything that Adam and Eve ever had because they fell into sin and death entered in. But that won't be possible anymore. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts of and calling of God are irrevocable. It will never be taken away from us. We'll be blessed with every conceivable joy, perfectly happy in every corner of our soul. We will be perfectly, perfect in holiness in every part of our being. We'll receive a crown of righteousness. We will have perfect and full communion with all the innumerable saints who have also been saved by God's grace. We will receive exceeding riches, the exceeding riches of His grace. But it's also important to know when when you think of Jonathan saying, when is it going to be? When will I get to see what my gifts are? For us, we see it now as well. It's not just looking ahead to, okay, I get this crown of righteousness, or there's going to be these streets of gold, or I get to enter into the joy of the Lord, or I, I get to see him in all of his glory. But even right now, this morning, on this Christmas Sunday... You are alive in Christ, and you're no longer dead in your sins. Your sins have been, as God says, hurled into the depths of the sea. They're as far as the east is from the west. You're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. You're no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness, as we looked at last week. You're no longer under condemnation, for there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And, and, and this is just the beginning of it. Paul talks about this affliction that we experience here on earth. He says, for our light affliction, it's just for a moment. And it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There is something that's ahead for us that we cannot even comprehend as far as the glories of spending eternity with him. But you have the gift this morning. the gift of god in christ jesus made made john the baptist leap in his mother's womb when he entered into the presence of christ it made mary say my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior when the angels appeared before the shepherds thinking of this gift this incredible gift that was being given to this earth, given to you and I. The angel comes to the shepherds and says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This angel appears to them and and just says, I am bringing you the best news that you could ever possibly hear. This angel who had watched everything take place and he's sitting there knowing what is happening, knowing who is being born. And he goes to these shepherds and just says, don't be afraid, I'm bringing you the best news that you could ever possibly hear. There is born to you this day in the city of David, Bethlehem that city that had been prophesied in the Old Testament, that he would be born in Bethlehem. There is coming to you a Savior, born in the city of David, and he is your Savior. He is going to save you from your sins. And it is Christ the Lord, deity, it is God himself, The joy within that angel to be able to say that. The joy within that angel to say, it's the best news you could ever possibly hear. There is a gift. And he's wrapped in swaddling cloths and he's lying in a manger. We're told that, that right after that, the next verse, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So there's this huge heavenly host that says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Just the, at the announcement to the shepherds of, there is born to you a Savior. The angels just all break out into this, this incredible worship. Because what took place on Christmas morning was that which changed all of history. A Savior is born. The shepherds told everybody that they could and everyone marveled. And the shepherds were told return glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. The gift made the wise men rejoice, we're told, with exceeding joy, and they fell down to worship Christ as they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. We think of Jude, the brother of Jesus, and in response to the gift of God, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Everybody who has ever looked at the gift that was given, the response when you are able to see this and the weight of the gift, understanding that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. When you're able to look at the gift of what is given, the response is praise. Peter, in thinking about this gift, refers to, to us being redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He says it's precious. He tells us that the gift is a living hope, an inheritance that's incorruptible, and it's undefiled, and it doesn't fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for us. And because of this gift in Christ, he says it's this gift which is much more precious than gold that perishes. He says we should rejoice with joy inexpressible. Rejoice. <laughs> See, she totally stopped. Everything's fine. We're to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. That was inexpressible joy. (laughs) Full of glory. The gift of God is eternal life. And how does it come? It comes through through Christ Jesus our lord in this verse contains all the gospel the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life and it is through Christ Jesus our lord i think of the angel appearing to joseph First chapter of Matthew. He's talking about Mary, and he says, She'll bring forth a son. The angel says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The angels there are saying, call him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. It was spoken of. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, it was spoken of. Saying that a virgin would be with child. That she would bear a son. Verses like that, for those reading the Old Testament, had to have just seemed like nonsense as far as how is that possible? A virgin is going to be with child. She's going to bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And yet, all of this was foretold beforehand so that we would see it and believe. The details of a virgin birth, the details of his name, the details of literally being God with us. And so, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and the only way that that could come is through Christ Jesus our Lord and he was given to us. On that Christmas morning, he was given to us. For God so loved the world, the quality of his love. So he he so loved the world that he gave the most precious gift that any one of us could ever hope for. He gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. The wages of sin would no longer have any effect on them, as far as everlasting. Should not perish. but have eternal life. Christmas is just a couple of days away. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless if this is a time where there is health or finances are are there, Or everything in our lives are in order. At least they seem to be. Regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of any of those things. You have been given a gift. And it is eternal life. And it comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. You didn't earn it. You did nothing to earn it. The wages of sin was death. You earned that. But the gift of God is eternal life. And it comes through Christ Jesus, our Lord, and it is for that reason that we celebrate this morning. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love our salvation. Lord, the the joy of seeing... Little ones being excited about Christmas. May that be like a drop in the ocean. May that be like a scattered beam in comparison to the sun. May that be like a a little stream in comparison to the fountain when we think about the gift that we have been given in you. We are so thankful this morning that you came to this earth. You took on flesh. You became the least of all men. You fulfilled all righteousness. And you shed your blood on that cross so that whosoever believes in you would not perish but have everlasting life. We are so thankful for the gospel this morning and may the joy of that resonate in every part of our being as we celebrate Christmas. Give us that joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name.